Welcome to Talking Tuesday. I am your host, Fancy Quant, and today we're talking all about marketing. So yeah, marketing is a pretty fun and exciting area to talk about. Um, so I went through this whole process here, right, the whole podcast season we're talking about here. Uh, I worked at a startup firm while I was going to school for my business degree. Uh, part of this was taking, of course, finance, management, accounting, and of course, marketing. So marketing in school was all about, you know, learning about... I don't know, different fun and exciting ways to gather customers, learn about products. I remember, I mean, the thing that stuck out the most, which I don't know if this is a good thing or not, but was that you could bring in a class and talk about the marketing. You could bring into class a video and talk about the marketing of it. So I brought in, I think, like a Reese's commercial, and it was like, I don't know, all these kids jumped up and they're like, yay, you know, Reese's cereal. And like, they're all super excited to have Reese's cereal. And I talked about how it was like fun and exciting. There's lots of colors and motion and that excites kids. And of course, who does Reese's cereal market to? It's to kids. So you talk about the demographics and all that. Uh, it was fun. I didn't learn, I don't think a ton in the class, but it helped somewhat going into a startup. So working at a startup here, the first piece that I really took on wasn't necessarily like, oh, you're in charge of marketing. It was just like, we need a website. And so we ended up uh, having a friend of mine do it. He did the base work and it was okay. And it's it functioned. I'll just say that, it just functioned. It wasn't like the most stellar website, but it was functional. And then I came in later and said, hey, you know, this is our logo. Why don't we you know, change the colors? And the president was like, exactly. I've been thinking this the whole time. Why don't we change like the layout of the whole website just to match the company colors? Uh, and those colors were basically like dark green for trees. Uh, and then there's like some yellow on it, but it's like, we don't really want <laughs> yellow on the website. It looks kind of tacky. Not a good color to go with for a lot of reasons, but we did a lot of just greens and whites and blacks and grays and things and kind of just made it a simple, straightforward website. And so I had zero experience doing this. And of course, working at a startup, right? If you're assigned to do this, you just got to do it. So I taught myself how to code in uh, HTML and CSS. Uh, this was back in 2000 and probably around 2007, 2008. And we were already doing like, for example, um, responsive web design. So again, I come from the olden days when smartphones were a new thing. Uh, but we were thinking more along the lines of computer screen sizes because a lot of people had laptops, then you had like full screen monitors. A lot of times the resolutions didn't match up. So you have to learn to build, again with CSS, you can do this, uh, what's called responsive web design. So basically what happens if you have like a cell phone, for example, Right, you want the website to look differently, more simplistic, easier to navigate versus a desktop or a laptop. And again, if you have, for example, a laptop that has a small screen, I don't know, say 13, 14 inch screen, and you have a monitor that's like 24 inches or larger, uh, you need to combat that and have something that looks good on all platforms. So I taught myself basically how to do web design. We started getting into the responsive web design, we had all that laid out. Um, but for me, I started realizing, we started looking at the data from our customers, and again, using my industry expertise, realizing our customers are going to be older. So government employees that work in parks and stuff, for example, and a lot of them that work for like cities and counties and all that, um, they're typically older individuals. They're not like young 20, 24 year old kids that are like all excited to work in, I don't know, parks and recreations. And there are some, so don't get me wrong, but a lot of them are gonna be older, and then when I started looking at our data, I started realizing as well, 
the operating systems, machines, whatnot, the browsers that people are using are super old. So I'm getting this from two angles. A, I'm getting it through the stats through uh, Google, Google Analytics here. So I can see what browser they're using. And then I can also see when I go on sales calls with our salesman, president, uh, we'd go out and we'd see customers and they had like the old like box screen computers. They didn't have like the nice thin screens, flat screens. Again, they existed in 2007, 2008, around this time, but um, they had older equipment as well. And so when I built the website and I designed it, um, I had to be weary that some features, so again, knowing all of your software and your languages, you need to know the software and how it interacts with the hardware. And a lot of times people don't think about this, but and in this case, the browser, so another app, web application, not necessarily hardware, but again, hardware is another piece of it. If you create a really exciting, flashy website, and our competitors had this, and it had like this bar at the top, and it had all these pictures, and they like slide through it, a slideshow going, and like it was exciting, and it had all their great logo and everything, and they paid big bucks for this, and we know this. Uh, because a president of our firm actually used to work at the competitor. And so they talked about, you know, the amount of money they were spending on marketing. They spent a ton. Um, we were doing it on a shoestring budget because I was getting paid like 10 or 12 bucks an hour and I was working for free like half the time. And so at the end of the day, right, I ended up making this website and I realized it had to be super, super functional. It does not need to be flashy for a variety of reasons. One, the customers are older. They're newer to like technology. Like they don't understand how things work. They're not going to want something that's like flashy and exciting. And then if it doesn't show up correctly. So again, if they're on, I don't know, an old computer and it doesn't work right, they don't know, they don't care, they're just going to leave. And when I say old here, I remember looking at web browsers that were like, like five to six generations old. So if you think about like a web browser, let's say uh, Internet Explorer, for example, I don't even know, <laughs> I don't even know what version they're even on because now I think we're on edge with it, but it was like, say we had version 10 or 10.2 or something, they were on like version like five. So these are things that were like a good five to eight years, maybe five to 10 years old. A lot of these browsers and things they're using were not that great. So you had to be super careful when you did like, for example, responsive web design, because the way it's structured is sometimes you'll see this website twice. And so I'd have to figure out tricky ways to be able to go around that or to test for that browser. And if it was not compatible, how do you not display that, for example? Uh, we did a lot of this and nailing down your customer is crucial. Um, so we did this. The other big piece that I wanted on the website design here was how do you make it functional? Again, I had so many people say, so I'll give an example, a story here. Uh, many years later, I was at the University of Michigan going to school. Um, I wanted a job. I needed a job. I needed money. Uh, I was broke. I had nothing. Uh, and I basically at that point stepped away from the business. Like I wasn't officially working for the business anymore. Um, of course I had to help here and there. And there were times I remember missing class just like on my cell phone, like yelling and screaming because I was so frustrated with how poorly things are being ran and disagreements and arguments. And I'm not even working for the company at this point. Uh, so I missed classes there, which was a big detriment, I think, to my education in many ways. But you do what you gotta do for family. Anyways, and I ended up getting this guy reaching out and saying, hey, uh, I saw you applied for this job. You know, we're looking to do a website. Awesome, right? Web design, I can do it. Um, so I met with this guy and I said, hey, you know, this is my past experience. This is my resume. So of course, I went and looked at my website. And I met with the guy. I remember at the arts building uh, on the campus of Michigan. 
And he goes, yeah, so I looked at your resume and everything, and I had some questions. So he asked some basic questions, and I was like, yeah, you know, I've been doing web design for, I don't know, I was like four years at that point, maybe five years, something like that. And, you know, this is what we did. This is the web design. And he goes, yeah, well, I already looked at that. You know, it doesn't look very good. So, I mean, that's fine, but we want something like that's going to use PHP, and we want things that are going to be like moving and slideshows. And I'm like, okay, like we, we can do that. It's not a problem. He's like, well, now your website, let me explain why it's not good. He went through everything. I'm like, it's too simple. I don't like the colors. I don't like this. I don't like that. And then he ended up saying, you know, we're ended up hiring all these firms from India right now, and they can do a really good job and do it super cheap. And I said, okay, great. Then why are you hiring me? Like, why do you need me? And the guy's like, well, I mean, we have them update stuff and there's typos and issues in spelling. And so we give it back to them. And sometimes it can take like a month or two months to get it fixed. And then our customers see that. So we want it fixed quickly. So I'm like, so you don't even want me to do web design. You just need me to come in and fix this. Like, I can do that for you part-time, full-time. Just let me know what you need. Now, we're not interested. I, I saw your work. I'm just not interested. And so it was really interesting for me because... If you really work well in marketing, especially like now or social media is huge, you have to realize you have different types of customers. And when you work, for example, in our industry, which is precast, concrete, restrooms, storage facilities, um, and like concession buildings, for example, people that are going to be buying these products are going to be probably between 50 and like 68, right? They're going to be older. And then they're not going to be super good at technology. And by the way, government does not spend a lot of money on their technology and the offices and the customers we're working with are typically in the, like those back offices that are like out in the middle of nowhere. We're not working with like, I don't know, the head office at the National Forest Service or BLM or whatever. Uh, we're working with like, you know, Podunk Town out in the middle of Montana uh, where basically you can only get to like, I don't know, we had a site we couldn't even get to for like six months out of the year because the amount of snow they had. And I remember going up there getting stuck with my dad in the car and my wife. And it was like bear season. There's bears everywhere. But Anyways, they don't have the same technology and understanding your customers is crucial and it was really disappointing for me to see somebody who is supposed to be this marketing expert just not understand that. So the website is super simple, it's super laid back, but I had so many customers that really liked it. Now this is where the kicker comes in on how do you know it's a good website? How do you know your stuff's working well? Again, I felt like crap at that point, right? People telling me your work's not good, it's not flashy, it's not exciting. And it's like, I know, but it's functional. Um, but we felt a lot better because I had a lot of customers that would reach out and say, hey, you know, like, I'm on your website. I found exactly what I'm looking for. And, you know, I need this building and I need this, 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 and this. Like, they knew exactly where to go and how to find things. So it was very functional. Um, the other big kind of, like, pat on the back for me was our main competitor, the biggest in the industry. They had that flashy website they're spending big money on. They magically changed theirs a few years in to look exactly like our website. So I mean exact, I don't mean like colors and everything, but the exact same layout, the way I had it structured with the bars, the toolbars and everything, was all laid out the exact same. Um, we ended up creating actually a bidding war as well. So another kind of pat on the back here to me, but uh, we ended up creating a bidding war and you can search on Google, I think it's like Google keywords. You can see what ads are being paid, or I guess AdSense, Google AdSense. I haven't done this in a long time, guys, but uh, you can see what people are paying for specific words. So, for example, right now we're in the time of COVID. So someone might pay big money to be able to market and use the word COVID because, you know, more people are searching for things like that. Um, our company name, though, I ended up positioning our company marketing-wise and reputational-wise in a way that they're paying $30 to $32 per click. So a lot of the keywords, like restrooms, for example, are paying, I don't know, like $0.98, cents, $1.10, $1.05. 
Uh, you might have two 250 for a keyword here or there, but 30 to $32 per click to be able to compete with us. And if they wanted to search our company name, right, you have Google search, they wanna be at the very top, they're paying 30 to $32 to be up there for the click. Again, we are creating kind of this crazy marketing realm where again, I had no technical experience in training, but you learn everything on the job. Um, and besides the website, we also did a send blaster, so we had email newsletters we'd send out. And again, you have to do the legwork. So I would go online and I'd look up all these different cities and look for the parks people and find the parks people and I'd write down their name, their email address. And I'd go through city by city by city and I'd go through state agencies and I'd look at you know federal agencies trying to find all these people. We created this massive list of all these customers we had. And then we'd create an awesome newsletter that'd say, hey, you know, Park Restroom Structures just did this amazing project. Uh, this structure went in, you know, the city of, I don't know, Los Angeles or something, and it's a two restroom flush. It's got stucco and stone. You know, check out this new project and they're super happy about it. And there'll be pictures on like the newsletter of like a crane setting the building and like, I don't know, it all looks great, right? It's exciting. At least it was for me. And so we'd get it all set up, we'd send them out and have at the bottom, of course, you can unsubscribe. And we'd send all these out and you look at all the open rates and the hit rates. And it was amazing to see we started getting emails and started driving sales just through these, basically these newsletters as well. And then going back to that old school customer, knowing your customer, right? You don't need to be the cutting edge, flashy, I don't know, whatnot, especially if your customers aren't young and exciting and all into that. Um, we did postcards. So we created a postcard. And I remember we got quotes or somebody was looking at quotes on them or whatever, and you could pay a company to do them. And it was like I don't know, a couple of bucks a postcard. I ended up getting it down, designed the whole thing myself, found a company to print them for dirt cheap. And I think it was like five cents, six cents a postcard. And then we throw on the postage on there, which was like, I don't know, like 42 cents, 45 cents, something like that. Maybe it was the last, I don't remember, right? We put it all together and then we'd have all these customers. Again, I gathered all their email addresses, their names, at all their physical addresses, their offices. We'd send out all these postcards. And I could see when you'd send out the postcard, you'd wait and you wanted to see if you had traffic in those specific areas. So we would actually send all these out to specific areas. We'd pick an area, like I don't know, let's say the state of, uh, I don't know, Wyoming. And we'd send them all out. And we'd have like no views really through Wyoming, a few here and there. And once they'd hit, you'd see the spike in views. You'd understand, okay, this is working, right? Because you can use states like Montana where you're not getting a lot of views in general. And you could see where you're getting the hit rates. People are actually going to the website and driving the traffic. So. We took this really dynamic approach of trying to blend both print media and ads. Uh, I super strongly against doing print ads in magazines. So our president liked to do them occasionally. They were vastly more expensive, hundreds of dollars for an ad. And then it's this magazine and you have like a little tiny spot on some random page. And to be honest, nobody looks at them or reads them. So that's not a good idea. I hated doing it. Super costly. Not a good bang for your buck on the marketing side, especially with a small company. So we did all these postcards and then we did the website, which was amazing. And then the final piece here was what we, every business does in our industry. You go to these trade shows. So trade shows were a lot of fun. I'd go with my dad, who's the president, which was fun occasionally. Um, and so we just get in the car, pack up our giant booth that had all these pictures and everything. And I incorporated like a QR scanner on the side so you could get to the website quickly if you stopped by the booth. And then we had all this print brochures that I designed and worked with, you know, our president on putting together. We put it all together and we'd go to these shows and they're just a lot of fun because you'd have all these people stopping by. 
So you'd go to, I don't know, let's say, I, I remember going to like the Staples Center, for example, in California. I remember I went to the conference, I don't know, arena thing in Salt Lake City. Did one there, for example. Did one in Colorado. Uh, but you'd go to these big park shows. And so everyone there is looking for all kinds of things for parks. So some people are in charge of buying play equipment. Some are in charge of, I don't know, purchasing restrooms like us. And so customers would stop by and you talk to them. And it was great being able to talk to people about your product, what you did, you know, all the work you've done. For me, it was really a big boost because I was already doing the manufacturing, doing the manual labor, building the products. Uh, then I was doing all the office stuff as well. So being really integrated into that was, I think, a good experience. Um, and marketing-wise, it was really great because we had all these great pictures. We had the brochures. We could talk to people. And then before all the shows and the newsletters we would announce, we were going to do... Uh, the show in the state and we'd send all these newsletters to people in that local area. We'd send all the postcards out. And again, you'd really just drive in and target those people. So we were doing this using web back in 2007, 2008. Again, trying to blend the two approaches is something I don't see a lot of people doing a lot of times. I think a lot of people think like print media is dead. But again, if you can target people and give them a mix of different angles, you can pick up different kind of demographics in your marketing here. So Anyways, the key takeaways from this, all this story time here with me chatting about marketing and how excited I am, but the key takeaways for a lot of this is that you need to look at your customer base um, because you need to market to your exact customers. Also, customer segmentation is important. So we had different types of customers that responded differently. Some customers, again, like the print media, the mailers, all that stuff. Some people like to see us face-to-face. So we'd have salespeople that go out and talk to these customers and try to get them to, you know, take like a brochure or like a catalog or something with all of our products in it. Uh, again, we had the website to make it really easy and fast and you could find things. Trying to target in on different groupings and tracking all that information on a data side is crucial. So if I didn't know or I didn't think about, you know, what version of web browser our customers are using, we probably would have created some high-end, flashy, exciting website. And at the end of the day, most of our customers would have been frustrated because it wouldn't work on their machine and they would have just left. So that's a good piece. Knowing their age, their demographics as well, all things you can track online, right, with a Google Analytics, for example, free tools for you. Uh, but again, knowing your customer, trying different types of marketing plans, I think is good. So in modern era, right, you have Twitter, you have Facebook, you have Instagram, um, you have your website, right? You have you could do print media as well, but there's all these different venues, even in social media, that you need to figure out how to pin down your segment where you're going with it and how to actually market towards them. So that's another important piece here. And then the final takeaway from this I hope you guys have is working at a startup, as you've seen in other episodes here, can be a nightmare, it can be terrible. Um, but one of the big positives, again, for me on this side, is learning the marketing was fun and exciting, but I had to teach myself everything. So it's challenging, but if you like to do things in self-learning, it's great. You will learn 10 times more uh, doing something at a startup than you will at a big corporation. Um, the reason for this is that, again, you don't have a lot of resources, so you need to be more creative. The other piece is you're going to cover the entire span. So for me in marketing, right, I didn't have someone else who did the majority of the marketing and I kind of helped, or I didn't have employees I could assign things to. Like, you're going to have to get your hands dirty and learn as much as possible. Um, this is one of the biggest advantages in working at a startup firm. You will get more experience in whatever area you're working in just because there's no one else to do things. So you have to be a self-learner. If you're not a go-getter who can teach yourself a bunch of stuff, um, working at a startup, I would not do it. Again, if you wanna learn a lot though, especially at a young age, even at an older age, I guess as well, 
If you want to learn a ton in a specific area or you want to switch fields, working in a startup can be a valuable experience that you'll never be able to get anywhere else. So those are just my two cents on marketing here, talking about kind of the business and what we did with it. But anyways, thanks for listening. And as always, until next time.